The Real Men Connect podcast is brought to you by SoulCon Ministries, helping disciple men in a digital world. To find out more about the SoulCon Challenge, the six-week Special Forces Challenge for Christian men, just go to soulcon.com. We're blessed to have the Basic Solutions Group as one of our ministry partners. The Basic Solutions Group is one of the leading app creators for ministries worldwide. So whether you want to maximize your impact or multiply your ministry's message, then check out the Basic Solutions Group at basicsolutionsgroup.com. And to see what they can do for you, just go to your app store and download our Real Men Connect app for free on any Android, iPhone, or mobile device or tablet. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Tom Schwab, who has real-life experience when it comes to blended families. He and his wife Karen married and attempted to blend families consisting of two teenagers and two elementary school-aged children. Needless to say, this was not an easy task, and they said it felt almost impossible at times, and it took years, but with strong faith and a lot of prayers, things started to come together. Tom and Karen had a clear vision of the kind of marriage and family they wanted and would not give up. Tom says he still doesn't have all the answers, but if his experience can help even one dad through a challenging time, he will be thrilled. The way I met Tom had to be a God thing because I first heard about Tom when I heard him on a business podcast talking about, ironically, how to market yourself through podcast interviews. That was over a year ago. And I forgot to mention to you that Tom is also the founder of Interview Valet, a concierge-level booking service for podcast guests. After I became a client of Interview Valet, I learned from Karen and his wife about their challenges of having a blended family, and that intrigued me, because unless you are new to the podcast, I too have a blended family, and since we haven't done a lot of shows on blended families, I decided to bring Tom on as a guest on the Real Men Connect podcast, not necessarily as an expert, but just as a real dude with a real life who's had real challenges like I did in blending my family. So I believe it's going to be a great discussion because I think we both have a lot to share on this subject. So I want to welcome my new friend and guest, Tom Schwab, to the Real Men Connect podcast. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Joe, I am thrilled to be here. And to me, this is going to be really fun because this is what podcasting is about. I always say the best podcasts are like sitting at Denny's and there's two people talking behind you and you're just sitting there listening on every word. And you can't turn around and look at them because that'd be rude. (laughs) I've been walking away till they do. Yeah, I love I've never heard that before about because that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> You're exactly right. That is great. And Tom, I know, man, you are very busy, man. You, your business, which we won't even get to talk about what you do, which I'm a client of yours now about how to market yourself through podcast interviews. And you do a lot of them yourself. And I know you're on a very tight time schedule. So I'm going to jump right into things. And we always start by bringing our guests on the show. And we ask them their favorite Bible verse that gives them inspiration from the word of God. Tom, what's yours? Boy, you set that up perfectly when you said you're a busy man. You know, busy is not a uh, you can't find that as a virtue in the Bible. You can find a verse that I always go back to. And it's Psalm 4610. 
It's be still and know that I am God. Or in in the Tom Schwab translation of the Bible, it's sit down, shut up, you're not God. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, <laughs> I'm busy trying to make things happen, and there's certain times where you just got to be still and know that uh, that I am God. You know, and I love that Bible reference and that Bible verse. And I think that also definitely applies when it comes to blended family. So I can't wait to see how you've applied that principle <laughs> to having a blended family. And Tom, I want you to start by telling us how you and Karen first got together and what were your your concerns about blending families in the first place? Um, tell me a little bit about how you and Karen first started. Sure. So we met training for marathons. It was in the middle of winter in Michigan. We'd go on these long runs with a big group of people on a Saturday morning. You know, it'd be it'd be zero degrees. All you could see of somebody was their their eyes and maybe their nose. But it was a great time to get to know someone on the long runs. You know, after about three miles, you can't be anything but authentic. Somebody asks a question, you give them your your true heartfelt answer and got to know each other really well and got to talk about, you know, growing up, how we saw life, what we wanted out of life. And we really got to be friends for a few months before we actually had ever seen each other. Uh, I can remember the first time I, I saw her where she had like normal clothes on, not just running clothes, had her hair and makeup done. And I did a double take. It wasn't until I heard her talk and I'm like, wow, that's Karen. So that's we had met. And it was really interesting that even though that she grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. There were so many things that were similar of how we grew up, how we viewed life, what we wanted out of life. So in in my mind, it was a better base of understanding than if it would have been, you know, love at first sight based on a physical attraction and then trying to figure out all the rest of that. And Tom, how long did you guys date before you got married? Uh, it was about four years. Man, okay, and, so, sort of like my wife. We dated for a long period of time as well. So I'm sure that had some type of impact on you guys blending the family. So kind of transition. Tell us a little bit about how that was during the dating process and how when you met her kids and she met your kids and when did that take place? Yeah. And so really it started as that we were friends. Mm-hmm. Her kids were younger. So, you know, I, I was just introduced as Mr. Tom and uh, I'd run with mom. We'd go out and do other things like that. I don't think they were so young. They were what four and seven. They didn't understand the dating thing. In fact, Allison, who at the time was probably seven, she saw us sharing a water bottle one time which, you know, among runners is not a big thing. And she was so grossed out. She's like, that's all, that's almost like kissing. Um, And it's like, uh, so it was a little bit different from her kids. You know, my kids were older. They were in, in high school. So they understood this is dad's girlfriend. So it was really a a different relationship there. We uh, had, they saw us at different things, but you know, as we were dating and got more serious, One of the things that I really struggled with uh, that last year is that, you know, I knew I loved her. I wasn't sure if I could be the husband that she deserved. You know, we all bring baggage and and things like that. And uh, the the most clear time I have ever heard God speak to me was when I heard, you know, no, you cannot. But through God, all things are possible. So that's that's uh, from that. But it was interesting going back to your question of, you know, how do you go from being Mr. Tom to my stepdad? Mm-hmm. And I think that was a little bit more of a challenge for me and for the the younger kids. You know, now, as far as um, so you had a similar um, 
kind of um, courting process that I had. It was four and a half years before we got married. And I knew when I met her that I was going to marry her, but I I didn't tell her that. But my way of dating was because I had come out of a, a marriage, a previous marriage. We were divorced after 16 years. So, you know, I took some time to heal. So it wasn't I even before I even started dating again, it was about two years before I even even thought about dating. But when I decided to start dating again, I was looking not for a friend, but I would only date if that woman was marriage material. And so I'm saying that, Tom, because I'm asking in your process, how soon did you know that you wanted more than just a friendship with Karen, even after you started dating? How what was that process like? Oh, man, I, I would say, you know, I just admired her so much that the first few months that uh, that I knew her. And so after that, we we started to date and I was just I, I just thought the world of her and how she parented. Uh, we were both after a divorce. So there was still some healing going on in there. But my biggest thing was at about the I guess it was about the two year point because we were engaged for about uh, about nine months, about the two year point. I just looked at it and said, you know, I need to make a decision. I can't I've either got to move it forward and get married or say I didn't think it was fair to go on forever as boyfriend, girlfriend and getting close to her kids because, you know, uh, we were very, very close. And, you know, I, I didn't want it to a point where we break up as, as boyfriend and girlfriend and that they lose a, a man in their life because they'd already had their world shaken uh, by a divorce one time. And, you know, I didn't want them to see that again. So as we got more and more serious, uh, uh, you know, I called it my year of discernment. And I, I don't think I've ever prayed more in my life for wisdom on what the right thing to do was. Now, Tom, how long had Karen been in, had been married before she met you and how long had you been married before you met her? What was the length of your relationships? Uh, yeah, I'd been married 16 years and she had been married, uh, I believe, 10 years. Wow. Well, Tom, we have a lot in common. The same length of the time I was married. <laughs> now, and wow. again, we haven't even gotten to the questions I, I really wanted to ask you because I also solicited some questions from um, our tribe, our community, our community of men. But I know from this experience, especially having dated the same amount of time that you did with with Karen, is that outside opinion also brings in a lot of pressure. And you have her friends, you have even the kids are thinking, how come he hasn't married you yet? How come he hasn't popped a question? And uh, that tends to bring some tension. Did you guys experience any of that from either? Now, I know the kids were too young to really understand, but I mean, even from your children who were teenagers, your, your social circles, did you guys get any of that pressure from people or hear that? I think the pressure that I got from my kids was to not get married <laughs> from, the, <laughs> yeah. from the standpoint that they were older mm-hmm. and they, I think they were fearful that, you know, if we got married, the dynamics would change, that they would be sharing me with other people right. uh, from, from her standpoint. I, I think your kids were young enough that it wasn't as much of an issue. Uh, the biggest issue when we said we were getting married uh, with them was their mom changing her name. And I'll, I'll, we've got a sign in our house that says the Schwarmans. Karen, <laughs> Karen, her, her daughter's names, her name was Furman. Mm-hmm. And so when they asked, are you going to change your name? Allison came back like a day later and said, maybe we could all change our name, you know, instead of Schwab and Furman, we'll just call ourselves the Schwarmans. <laughs> uh, so, you know, from a, you know, a, a young kid, that makes a whole lot of sense, you know, 10 or 11 year old. But I'd say the the 
pressure, not even pressure, the influence that I was getting from friends and family was all positive, Mm -hmm. right? Because especially uh, family has seen, family and close friends have seen you get hurt once in a divorce. Right. And they're very, very protective, especially I've got three sisters. Man, they were protective. And they loved Karen, saw that I was happy with her, and they were very supportive of of that. I think the – I never felt pressure like I have to, Mm -hmm. but I felt support and affirmment that, yeah, this is the one that God's brought into your life. Now, you know, we even though our tribe and the, the people who are listening are predominantly men, we know we have some some stealth women out there who are listening <laughs> secretly to our podcast because I get some of their emails and, and I hear from them and they love the podcast. And I know right now there's women out there who are listening to this, even though this probably has nothing to do with blended families. Well, I guess it does. But uh, they're probably asking because I don't think any man is asking this, but I know the women are asking Joe, you and Tom both took over four years <laughs> to get married to the women that are in your lives right now who are blessing you now. What took you guys so long? Now, Tom, I can only speak for myself. I was waiting for a certain level of spiritual maturity in my wife. I knew that she would be a great wife, but I knew she wasn't ready. And like I tell you, God told me she was the one when I first met her. But God also told me to wait like you said, wait upon the Lord. But so what was your reason? Because I'm telling them now they know mine. But what was your reason for you met? You met Karen. You loved her. Thought she was great. Awesome woman. What took you so long to, to pop the question? It was that I didn't think that I could be a good enough husband. Mm. I loved her. I wanted the best for her, for her girls. And, you know, in, in my first marriage, I was not always a great man always a great father. I had made mistakes and I had never, I had never forgiven myself for those. Mm -hmm. And so I just looked at that and thought, no, I can't, I I can't come into this marriage as, as a flawed man. She needs somebody that's perfect. And I really, really struggled with that. And I, I told her that, you know, she said, you know, I love you. She's, you know, with all my, with all my flaws, but still, I don't think that I fully accepted myself and loved myself. And so, you know, I, I told her, this is the year of discernment. You know, this is what I'm praying for. Could you pray for me too? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, God, can I be the husband that she needs and that she deserves? And like I said, that was the cl- the the clearest I ever have ever heard God talk. We were out on a boat in in Lake Michigan. And the answer I got back is, no, you cannot. But through God, all things are possible. Amen. And so I, I look at that and every time that I have I have missed the mark that I have set as a as a husband, it's because I tried doing it on my my own. Right. And as long as as long as we got God there and I'm relying on him, man, I can be the type or uh, I can be the husband that she deserves. You know, and thanks for sharing that, because I think not a lot of men need to hear that because, you know, it's no different than when you hear couples together and they said, OK, well, how come you guys haven't had children yet? And typically one of the parents are thinking, man, I don't think we're ready to be parents yet or we're waiting for the perfect time. And there really there is no perfect time if unless you're going to depend on the perfect father to lead you. So I'm glad that you shared that with us so we can understand that it's about God and his timing and also in him doing the work through us. We can only do what we can do to a certain extent, but he's going to give us a lot of grace and mercy in the areas where we're not so good in. <laughs> because I thought I thought I was ready for marriage and I really wasn't. But God, because I depended on him, I became the man that Tanya needed me to be. Now, Tom, you mentioned earlier 
about your children and the response from Karen's children and your children, they were totally different based on their ages. My son was a teenager as well. And so we have that in common as well. And I'm bringing my teenage son into my wife's life with her um, younger daughter, who was elementary school age. And his his response was similar to your to your children's response. Now, he loved Tanya, liked Tanya. But his question was, Dad, why do you got to get married and mess everything up? Dude, we got this. This is great. Now we spent all this time together. Our lives are perfect. We, do you really want to mess things up? Can't you just date her? And so I had to kind of explain to him that it wasn't about me not being successfully single, which I think should be a criteria that I said, but I, I said, but I'd rather be happily married. And so I want to get into asking you, how did you and Karen talk about and discuss this transition, or did you guys even discuss it beforehand about how you were going to blend the families once you knew you guys were going to get married? How did that discussion come up? Or did you talk about it? Joe, you are wiser than I am. I, I think we looked at it as we'll make it work out. You know, so, sometimes <laughs> ignorance is bliss, yeah. not, not understanding what's coming on. So I, I don't know that we had thought it out as well. Luckily, as we did get uh, did run into problems, you know, we had some people that we could talk to and get insight and advice. And and more than anything, I think it's trying to put ourselves in the kids kids perspective. I mean, they've already gone through the trauma of a divorce and everything. And, you know, it's it's great for us. We want to get married and live happily ever after. They see it as yet another change. Right. So right. I think always trying to step back and, you know, take take a deep breath and say, why are they responding this way? Why are they acting this way? And trying to view it from their standpoint and use that as a way to grow the relationship. Uh, right now, you know, one of the advice that I always give you know, people from blended families, I said, never, you know, never refer to your kids as stepkids right. or her kids right. or whatever. Right. Because, you know, how would you like it if your wife called you? This is my second husband. <laughs> right. I love that. You shouldn't, put, good. you shouldn't put qualifiers on that. <laughs> right. And it's funny because even now the kids, they don't use words like stepsister mm. and stepbrother and all the rest of that. They're family and they may not be biological, but they've got bonds there. So I think with times, those challenges at the time that look so tough, there are experiences in the family that we can point back to and laugh about and that, that, that draw us closer. You're not going to go through it without challenges, mm-hmm. but you want to make sure the challenges make you better at the end of it, not the not worse. And, you know, from that, I guess it comes trusting in God's and God's grace that uh, no matter how bad I mess it up, he'll still turn it out good. Right. And Tom, I, that's that's great. I love that. About <laughs> I never looked at it that way before. About we don't use like even in our family, we don't use step and any of that stuff. And but I never thought about it. Yeah, what would I think if my wife introduced me as her second husband? Or this is oh yeah, this is my second wife. No, we wouldn't even consider doing that. So we can even start by changing our verbiage in our terminology when we're introducing our kids. It's funny you say that you guys really didn't have a lot of discussion about it, and it was just the opposite for me and my son. We talked a lot about that transition. Now, ironically, I didn't talk that much to my my younger daughter because again, she couldn't understand. But one of the things, and I guess this could help these men out there who have blended families. One of the things I had explained to my my son. Not only did I tell him, I said, Kendall, this is. I said, yes, I'm successfully single, and I don't think anybody should be married until they're successfully single. 
I said, but there's a difference between being successfully single and happily married. And our discussion went beyond that. He says, Dad, um, so what's the difference between ha- being happily married and successfully single? And I kind of used that mind Jedi thing on him. <laughs> I told him, I said, Tim, let me ask you this. Do you think I'm a great dad? He says, yeah, I think you're an awesome dad. I said, do you think I'm a good man? He said, Dad, you're an awesome man. And he said, Dad, I want to be like you when I grow up one day. Now, I understand he was still a teenager. I wish I could get him to say that now. <laughs> but, um, but he asked me, he said, so dad, I said, so you think I'm a good husband? I'm a good man, you know, a great father. He said, yeah. I said, Kendall, I know this may be hard for you to believe. I said, but do you realize I would never even consider getting married unless the person I'm with is going to make me even a better husband and father? I said, Kendall, you ain't seen nothing yet if God has put me with the right woman. And I told him, I said, Kendall, I prayed to God for a do over. I said, I broke your uh, mom's heart. I almost destroyed our family. And it's by the grace of God that I still have a relationship with you. I said, because you have every right not to like me anymore, not to have a relationship with me anymore. I said, but this marriage, I said, your mom, he said, was mom a mistake? I said, no, mom was not. Your mom was not a mistake. I said, we weren't ready. I said, your mom, and this might offend a lot of women, Tom, when I, when I say this, I said, mm-hmm. your mom was God's best for me. And I ruined it. I said, but Tanya is God's grace towards me. I said, I love that. and I'm not going to mess this up. And Tom, he told me, I remember we were driving in the car and you can probably relate to this with your kids, with your teenage kids. We were driving the car. We had just seen Tanya and we were preparing for the, the wedding and everything. And Kendall was taking a nap and he woke up and he says, um, dad, he says, I'm okay now with you getting married. Cause his only concern, he was more afraid. He, first to start out him being selfish. Then he was afraid that I may be hurt again and that he didn't want to see me as he said, dad, I've never seen you that depressed before until you and mom got a divorce. He said, I want to see you go that, look that way again. And he said, dad, I'm okay now. I said, what do you mean? You're okay. He says, God spoke to me and told me everything's going to be fine with you and Tanya. I said, how, how do you, I said, what did you know? Of course, I'm curious. What did God tell you? And this is what he said to me, Tom. He says, he said, when you and mom were together, he says, dad, I had no say so in the marriage. You know, you guys were married before I was born. <laughs> you know, I had no uh-huh. say so. And I, and I was too young to do anything to help with the relationship. He said, dad, but now that I'm a teenager, he's only 14. He says, I'm dad. <laughs> but now that I'm older, he says, dad, I'm not worried about you anymore because you got me now and I won't let you struggle in your marriage. He said, I'm now, I know you have a lot of other men in your life, but now I'm going to be accountability for you as well. And to hear your son tell you that he's going to be your insurance policy for your marriage is an encouraging thing. But we looked at our celebration as more of grace. Now, I didn't have that kind of discussion with my daughter because she was younger. But my question to you is even after you guys made that leap into marriage, that step of faith, what surprised you the most? That you didn't didn't anticipate about blending the families because you said you hoped that it all would work out. So did I. But I was surprised by some stuff that happened after we got into it. So what surprised you? I, I can't wait to hear this. I, I think some of it is the roles, right, of mm-hmm. uh, living in the same household of do I ask mom? Do I ask, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, the new dad? And I, I can always remember a conversation that I had uh, with Allison, who was at the time about 11. And. She had a very simple question. She's like, well, what am I going to call you? Are you, are you going to be my dad now? Mm. And so we sat down and I'm, I said, well, let's see. You've got a father already, right? He's in heaven. He loves you. You've got a dad already. 
you know, and he loves you. So it doesn't seem to me like, you know, you need another dad. I said, so can I be your friend and love you? And um, she's like, oh, OK. And I'm like, you know, you can call me whatever. I don't care on the titles. Right. I said, you can call me Tom if you want to. And so that's what it's always been. She's always called me Tom from there. She dropped the sort of Mr. Tom and just calls <laughs> me Tom. But what's interesting is that whenever she introduces me, she always introduces me as this is my dad. And I right. can't tell you the number of times that I've gotten out of the car and, you know, she'll give me a kiss or something and say, thank you. I love you and everything like that. And and all the, the kids go running off. Thanks, Mr. Furman. And I'm like, that's fine. Right? <laughs> that's like that's her dad's name. It's not my name. But right. they, they don't know the difference and everything like that. So I, I think sometimes it's just that challenge of who are you in the role? And sometimes mm -hmm. they just, you know, press you on that, you know, because they're confused too, especially them going through a divorce and that loss. Uh, sometimes they push back just to see, is he going away? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Another time I, re I remember that, uh, uh, something went on and one of them had, he, she and I had had a little run in and we had made peace with it. And her sister, when her mom got back said, Oh, you know, and started to tattle on her. I said, that's over. We're finished with that. And uh, Karen said, you know, what did she do? And it was almost like she wanted to address it again. And I'm like, no, we've we've made peace with it. We're not going to go through this again. And it was like she just smiled and realized, wow, he's got my back. You know, he he's looking out for me. It would have been easy to, to throw her under the bus. But it's like, no, I, I love you because I choose to love you. And I think that's a special thing there. Like your right. son said, right. he was born into it. Uh, it's, it's different when you choose to love somebody. Yeah. You know, uh, I hear how you talk about Allison and, and the name, because I think it's more. I guess what I learned from it is that we can't make this their issue. Their challenge, their problem, they're dealing with enough already with the change in the family dynamic and learning to trust again. And see, I didn't know that um, that their dad passed away. And, you know, even though they were young, I'm sure that they still have memories of him. So that's got to be tough on young children of what should we call this this new man in mommy's life. And Tom, I went through the exact same oh. thing. I went through the exact same thing. But you're about to say something. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, maybe no, I used go ahead. No. or something like that. No, their, their dad is still alive and part, part of their life. Oh, I thought so. that you said he passed. Oh, because oh, okay. no. that's going to bring up a whole set of new questions. I was going to ask you about <laughs> because that's a different dynamic, because I know, you know, when I was telling you about questions we got from the community, from our men's community, that was one of the questions. But I told him I did not know the background of you and Karen as far as the relate did you you know did you lose a spouse did it was divorce you know i didn't know the dynamics i said but if that's the case i would go there and so for the the guy who asked that question i wanted to go there but we found out that Allison <laughs> dad did not pass away <laughs> but, but the challenge still remains though of what to call and I, and i think what i want the men to understand and what they're hearing from you is that you took the weight and the burden off of Allison to say you don't have to bear this load of what should I call him? How should I speak to what? And this kind of thing. I had to deal with the exact same thing time with my daughter, Faith. And now her situation, her dad abandoned her when she was about Allison's age. 
And so she had a lot of deep wounds. And I, I, my daughter said she's willing to even come on now to talk about it on our show. I haven't had her back on the show yet. I did bring her on in our first year. But she says she's willing to talk about this, which I think is going to be a great conversation to have with a teenager about her dad abandoning her. But she struggled with what to call me. And I did exactly what you did, Tom. So this is great advice Tom is giving you that I, I said, no, you can call me whatever. And that was Mr. Joe. You know, and I say, it's fine with me. Then one day she was crying and I asked her, I said, Faith, why are you crying? She says that um, because she doesn't want to call me Mr. Joe. I said, well, baby, what do you want to call me? She said, I want to call you daddy. I said, well, then you can call me daddy. I don't mind. Kendall's not going to be upset if you call me daddy. He says, no, I'm struggling. I want to, but I can't. And that confused me, Tom. I'm like, what you? Yeah, I said, you want to and you're crying, but you won't do it because you can't. She felt that if she called me daddy, she was being disloyal to her father. Mm-hmm. And I didn't recognize it. And so I said, Faith, don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. I said, I'm OK. She said, but I want to call you daddy so bad. I said, baby, when you're ready, it's fine. I said, but you can call me Mr. Joe. I know you love me and you know I love you. And so because I don't call her my stepdaughter, she's my daughter. And my son even told me the best compliment my son has ever given me. And he didn't know he was giving it to me. He says, Dad, if I didn't know any better, I would think Faith was your biological daughter. And he didn't realize he was complimenting me. And I said, that's awesome. (laughs) And so when she finally did call me daddy, Tom, it killed me. Oh, my goodness. And it wasn't the fact because I've heard daddy from Kendall my whole life. But what got me was the fact that she chose to. She didn't have to. And it reminded me of the relationship with the father, you know, that I'm not God's biological son. I'm his adopted son. And he chooses to call me son. And I choose to call him Abba, father. Yeah. And that love, you know, people are going to hate when I say this. I say, I think biological kids are overrated. <laughs> Because they don't have a choice. But these kids that, whether it be through blended family, whether it be through adoption, they're the most special relationships to me. I mean, I cherish. And my son had told me that he didn't see any difference in the way I treated them. And I told my daughter that one day. She said, Dad, Kendall's wrong. He said, you don't treat us the same. I said, yes, I do. She said, no, Daddy, you treat me better. (laughs) And I said, baby, I don't treat you better. I treat you differently because you're a girl. Because he sees how tough I am with my son, even though we, you know, right. my son can take it. But you know, with daughters, you have to be have a that 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 velvet glove when you're when you're dealing with them. But I want to ask you this now. You mentioned it now about initial problems. What were the initial problems that you had when the families first got together? Because you said your kids didn't, you know, they thought this is going to affect our time. What were the things that kind of popped up immediately that maybe you didn't anticipate? Uh, Karen's girls lived with her, with her the majority of the time. Right. My children came on the weekends. Oh, so all okay. of a sudden it was like, oh, whose room is who, you know, Ooh, and yeah. all, all the rest <laughs> of that. And it's like, mom, mom and dad have to uh, to share a room. How come other people can't share a room? Hmm. So even that was, you know, a, a little bit wow. different. And at that time, there was age differences. So there was the little kids and the older kids. And now that they've they've gotten older, it's it's not nearly as much of that. That was one of them. And then also from the blended family, you know, there's the the exes that always come into that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of stress in there, too. And feeling responsible that I don't want, uh, you know, my ex impacting the family or feeling guilty about that. Or uh, when Karen's ex and her may have an issue, I wanted to go there and and defend her 
but getting in the middle of it sometimes just made things worse. So I think early on, those were some of the, the biggest ones. You know, and I'm, since you brought it up, and this was a question that kind of popped up a lot from the men in our community, is how do you deal with the exes? And now what advice, Tom, would you give us? And because, you know, Karen's dealing with hers, you're dealing with yours, and you, you don't have the kids full time. You have, you know, you get them on the weekends, and you're now spending all this time with Karen's children, his children. How, what advice um, and tips could you give us in what to do or not to do? I'm not saying that you do, you've done it perfectly, but you've learned some stuff. So, share with uh, us I, so what would you tell us now in hindsight about handling exes? I've learned some stuff and I've had this discussion with other people. Uh-huh. It's like, I think I had more anger towards her ex than I did my ex. Really? Right. Be- yes. Wow. From the standpoint of, I saw how she was hurt. I saw that conflict. It's like, Joe, if somebody calls me a name, all right, I've been called worse Mm -hmm. by better. Mm -hmm. If you call somebody that I love, you know, a name, we're going to have words there. Yeah, right, right. If you're mean to my wife, oh, we're going to have words. Mm -hmm. And so from that standpoint of you want to be the, the defender, you know, you want to be the man on there. And so from that, some, sometimes I would try getting myself in the middle of that. And that didn't help. Uh, wow. It just made it made it worse. So going back, there's a a great uh, marriage book called The Best. I think it's The Best Us by Ted Lowe. Uh-huh. And one of the questions he asks in there is that men should ask, do you want me to fix this or do you want me to feel this? Right. And sometimes when she would tell me problems that she was having with her ex and parenting and that relationship, my first re- response was, I can fix this. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't my place to fix that. Uh, She wanted me to feel that uh, just to know that she, what she was going through, you know, and I not knowing the, the entire, the background of the entire marriage, you just see it from the person's site that side that you love. I think that was, uh, that was a big learning point there. So with your wife and with Karen, and I like that you said that Taylor said, either do you want me to fix this or feel this? So that's how we that's a great some great advice on how to respond to them mistreating our wives. Because, man, I, I haven't had to deal with that. God has blessed me that has spared me from having to deal with that. But you're right now that I think about it. I wouldn't know what to do. How do you deal with it from the child's perspective? If let's say you had to fix it. And yet this is you know, these are your children, your your children's father. How do you what mm-hmm. advice would you give us on how to handle that? Uh, wisdom, wisdom just doesn't come from old people with gray hair. Wisdom comes from children too. Mm-hmm. And I was blessed to my, um, uh, nephew who was 18 years old and he was, uh, a, a child of divorce. He gave me some of the best advice that I ever had. And he said, never, ever say anything bad about their parents. Right. Right. He says, I, I know what my dad's flaws are. I know he's not a perfect person. Mm-hmm. He said, if he was in jail right now, for life. He said, I would know that. I would see that. I don't need other people telling me what kind of man he is. Right. And so he said, when, when they would say that, it said more about them right. than it did about me. And so when they, when the girls, if I had an issue with them, with, with their dad, uh, it was never said in front of them. Karen and I would have that discussion independently that, uh, we were always as gracious and loving and supportive of the kids relationship with their dad. I mean, even to the point of when things were tense, inviting him over one year for Christmas and he, you know, 
I, I didn't want to look at the guy. I was so mad. <laughs> but you know what? We invited him over for Christmas and we spent Christmas together. And it wasn't I was invited him over as, as a friend, but that's what the girls needed to have a great Christmas and everything like that. And I wow. think it's really getting beyond yourself and saying it's about the kids and what can we do? Because the other thing, too, is that you think, oh, man, this is, you know, the whole parenting, co-parenting, all the rest of that, that is so stressful, but it's such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. The kids grow up really quickly. And as a, as a friend of mine, as a judge said, is that once they hit about 14 years old, you can't tell them what to do. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's just like herding cats. They will do what they want. <laughs> right. So uh, the question is, is, are you trying to win as they are a kid? Are you trying to, to teach things? Are you trying to build that relationship? And that's what's so important because you got the rest of your life with them. You know, once they, they turn 18, they make their own decisions. They decide where they go and things like that. And that really made a huge difference there. You know, Tom, you bring up some great stuff. I, I love to write down notes when I'm interviewing guests. And I want to repeat what you said because I think the men out there need to hear it because you're you when you weren't immune from this the, your feelings of um, towards this man who is in your eyes and your from your perspective mistreating your wife but you said never go negative I can claim that was a victory that I didn't go negative on my, my ex and my with my son and he knew his mom like you said it, it's more reflection on us if we go negative on them as opposed to them seeing it for themselves. And my mom and dad got a divorce when I was only two. And so I didn't see my dad and he wasn't there, but my mom used to always speak negatively of him. And then, but to my dad's credit, even though we didn't have the greatest relationship when he came back into my life, for his credit, he never spoke negatively of my mom and still to this day. And of course, knowing my mom, I'm thinking, dude, you could have said this, 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 this about my mom, but you never did. And you're right. It put him in a better light, even though he wasn't there when I was young. And so I'm hoping the parents out there listening to this, the dads specifically, that don't go negative. It's more of a negative reflection on you than on the other parent. But you said something I love, Tom, and, and I'm paraphrasing this. That the sacrifices that you're doing for the children, if you put the children first, is a gift to your girls. It's not about you. That you only have to endure this for a short period of time. But how much can this be a blessing to them? And so I, I'm, I'm going to try to remember that phrase. It's a gift to our children. It's showing grace to our children when we're able to get along with their exes in their present, not speaking negatively to them. And God is going to bless you for that. I got to believe that. And he has even in your marriage today. So I, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Me and my wife, we, we've had to have that discussion. We call it making pre-decisions, how we're going to handle a situation when it comes up. And to my wife's credit, especially her being a single mom, my wife's background is in law enforcement and she was ex-military and now she runs a fitness boot camp. So I'm giving you this picture, Tom, of my wife is like G.I. Jane. <laughs> and so she's used to being in charge. She used to have an authority. She she was a sergeant in the police department. So she was over men. And so her biggest struggle was how do I submit and surrender? That's why I say I was waiting for spiritual maturity on her part, because I knew she had to unlearn a lot of things in her marriage with me. And so when it came to discipline, we had to talk about that. And we both came to the agreement that it's going to be, a, like you said, a united front. And to her credit, God bless my wife. She would always defer to me 
What did your daddy say? <laughs> and even dealing with my son, who's not her biological son, she would no different than with our daughter. She would handle it and say, I'm going to bring your dad into this. <laughs> you know, I told her she had every right to discipline him. And my son, based on the way I raised him, you are to submit to her authority. And so we had to bring together that united front. So you're absolutely right on that. Now we're going to go from the discipline, Tom, to the disrespect and rebellion. Did you guys have to experience any of that when you were blending the families? And if so, how did you deal with that? Uh, yes. And that probably came more from my son from the standpoint of, you know, he was the teenage years, a little bit more testosterone. And I can still remember one time that he was very disrespectful. And I just pulled him away uh, to the side and, and basically said, you know, you don't disrespect women that way. You don't res- disrespect my wife that way. She she has a voice here and uh, put it the same way. It's like uh, if someone disrespected your mother that way, how would you feel? Right. And, right, right. you know, let him That's come good. to that. And, and that was that was it. And I think the disrespect came more from the the, the teenage years. And I think it's it's probably a, a natural. It's like, how do you how do you work through that mm-hmm. and uh, to help him come to the answer as opposed to just having a battle of alpha males because that never ends well. Right. You know, Tom, that's that's good stuff, man. That's good, because I like the way you you flip that on him, that would you want somebody treating your mom that way of speaking to your mom? That's an excellent question to ask. You know, and you know, I said that was going to be the last question before we go into the man up question, but I want to slip one more. <laughs> sure. <laughs> one more question in there. And it just slipped my mind what I was going to ask. you. I knew exactly what I was going to re- get ready to ask you because it was in reference to what you said, uh, how you dealt with your son. Oh, yeah, I know I was going to ask you, Tom. Just a short reply to it as well. Doesn't a lot of this, the blending of the family has a lot to do with the spouse you choose? The success of whether or not this wow. transition is going to be. I just thought about that while we were having a discussion that I'm thinking that this could not go well depending on your spouse. Isn't that correct? Oh, very much so. Because if if it had been different, you know, uh, do you realize what your son did to me and disrespected? Right. She she never attacked him or never attacked me. Right. She was more she was more hurt than anything. Yeah. Wow. And see, in that, so I, I'm thinking, even though this is a little bit outside of the scope, that one thing about blended families, I've never heard anybody give this advice, is pick the right mate. <laughs> you're going to get ready to get married. You know, and I, the way I look at it, if I had to get, I mean, we always try to give practical advice on the show. And my practical advice, just to give the short version of it, would be before you get married, is that the kind of mom you want raising your children? Does she have the traits that is she the kind of woman you one day will want your son to marry or you you know, you're or to be the kind of mom you want your daughter to be. That's kind of how I looked at it the same way is that is my wife, is this woman the kind of woman I could say to my son, if you meet a woman like this, you're going to be fine in life or you I love my wife, but she may not be the kind of wife you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> And Joe, it's also a package deal, right? Right. Well, I love them, but not the kids. <laughs> right. No, so, sorry, that uh, that decision is isn't an option. You you don't get to pick and choose. This is not a buffet. Yeah. 
you know, and, and see, that's so important because you can't say you love them, but you don't love the, the love the children that that doesn't fly. And so but so that's the last question I want to get in. But now it is time, Tom, for what we call the man up questions, our infamous man up questions. <laughs> and these are five quick questions, starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P. And they would just require your fearless honesty, which you would not have a problem with. So the question is, are you ready? I am ready. All right. And we'll get started right after this short break. Do you know that no one has ever become a champion without a coach? Think about it. Any athlete who's ever made it to the Olympics, let alone won a gold medal, has ever gotten there without a qualified coach or a group of coaches. So if that's the case, if you're serious about becoming a champion husband, father, or leader, then my question is, who's coaching you? That's why I've officially launched the Real Men Connect 21-Day Coaching Program. My goal? To help you become the man and spiritual champion God called and created you to be. If you're going to succeed as a man of God, it's going to take faith, wisdom, and accountability. So you need a proven Christian coach, mentor, and teacher who's literally helped hundreds go from good to great God's way. I've been an award-winning educator for more than 23 years, and I've been coached and trained by some of the best in the country. So whether it's strengthening your faith, improving your marriage, growing your ministry, or even breaking an addiction, let me coach you for 21 days to help you finally get the breakthrough you've been looking for. Just go to realmenconnect.com or call 423-763-7675 for details. Availability is limited, but satisfaction is guaranteed. Welcome back, Mighty Men of God. We're with my guest, Tom Schwab, who is talking about blended families. And we're going to go through the lightning quick man up questions for Tom. And Tom says he's ready. So we'll see. Tom, now looking back, being a blended family, what was the mistake that you learned the most from? Probably the biggest mistake is when I would do something where it was more reactionary, where I didn't think about it, where it was emotion that was driving it as opposed to reason or prayer and uh, the the kids would try spinning me up i would i would spin up and it would never end, end well so the biggest mistake was not taking a deep breath not being still and knowing that he is god and, and leaning on him Boy, you reading my mail. My daughter, Faith, bless her heart. She is good at stirring her daddy up, man. <laughs> my son never pushed the envelope, but my daughter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I, will, I would say the same thing as far as what I would recommend as well. Now, A stands for attitude, Tom. If you could change an attitude in parents who are going into blending families, what attitude would you change in the heart of the man who's going into it? Oh, from the standpoint of take the long, take the long view on mm. it. Right. Yeah. There were certain yeah. times where I was like, oh, this is so awful right now. Mm. It's right now. You know, it, I look back on it. I couldn't even point out what those terrible things were at the time because of what we are right now. So look at the long, long term, you know, don't fight over the little things. Go to uh, for the long term win, not just to win this battle. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, this seems a little bit out of the realm of, of our discussion, but the N stands for next. And I always ask our, our guests when it comes to man up question, what's the next big thing they would attempt to do for God if they couldn't fail? But I'm going to switch yours because you own Interview Valet and that goes with podcast interviews and marketing. But we're going uh-huh. to we're going to pretend as if you could do something in ministry to help blended families. If you had a magic wand, what would be the next thing you would do to support people in blended families if you could do anything for God? I would say support the next generation. And I, I wish I wish you wouldn't have switched that question, Joe, because 
Um, so answer the way you want to answer, Tom. I don't okay. care. <laughs> sometimes we all look at what's the grand impact we can make on the world. Right. And we forget what the impact we can make on our family. Yeah. Somebody pointed out to me a few years ago after my daughter got married. She's like, you know, you realize that you are no longer the most important man in her life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh? He's like, no, her husband now is the most important right. man in, in her life. Right. And he's the most important man in my grandkids' lives. And so anything I can do to help him be a better man mm. makes me happy. So I, I, I'm trying not to look and say, what grand things can I do, but what little impacts I, can I make? Um, because I don't, you know, had to be a child that went through divorce. Mm. I don't want my grandkids to do that. Right. So right. I, I'm trying to help him be the best husband, be the best man he can be. So to me, that's what's up next. Tom, that is so good, man. That is good. Well said. And now the U stands for um, understand. Now going backwards and looking back when you started this, um, when you got into this relationship and blended your families, what what do you understand better now that you didn't understand then? I would have to say it boils down to the phrase, hurt people, hurt people, mm-hmm. healthy people don't hurt people. Right. So when a kid is, is, is acting out, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. They're not disrespecting you. There's something going on in their life. When an ex is being a, a jerk, it's not just about being a jerk. There's something else going on in their life with that. And I would always react and take it very personally mm-hmm. and to understand that, Hey, it, the world doesn't revolve around me. Uh, not every action that ha- somebody takes is because of me. Right. Right. And Tom, even though, um, you know, cause your, your kids now are older and are, are they both still in the house or are they in college? Where are they? Where are your children? Oh, we are, we are more or less empty nesters. So, uh, Samantha is married. Ian is, uh, lives out of the house. Uh, he's got a, a great job. Allison, uh, went to school and she came back and she's living in the house, but still working. And then Emily, uh, is off at school. So we're for all, all intensive purposes, empty nesters this year. All right. So I guess I'll, I'll phrase the question this way when it comes to P. The P stands for problem. As a mighty man of God, what do you still struggle with as a man, as a husband, or if I'll let you go in any direction you want to go with, even today, what do you still struggle with? I think my biggest struggle right now and my biggest focus is on being healthy and being a good example. Yeah. The healthiness goes from the standpoint, I'm 52 years old mm-hmm. and I want to live for a long time. I want to make an impact, all the rest of that. And I have control over that based on the decisions I make with my health. Uh, so it, I, I can't get away with um, uh, the things that I did in my my earlier year. So I'm focusing on that. So that is a, is a big thing. And then Karen and I, we went through sort of a mission statement after the kids were out of the uh, house, like what's our mission? Why do we exist? What are we trying to do? Mm -hmm. And our biggest thing now is to be a good example, right? To be a a good example for our grandkids in business, for our family, uh, because people are watching. And one of my favorite quotes is from St. Francis. It talked about uh, preach the gospel always and when absolutely necessary, use words. Use words. <laughs> and I, I, I think that people are watching. So we want to be the good example. Oh, I love it, Tom. That's what I love. One of my phrases that I often use when I was in the classroom as a professor, I said, be an example, not an excuse. That's awesome. Be an example, not an excuse. So I'm, that resonates in my spirit. And Tom, you did a fantastic job. Great job at answering the man up questions, man. I appreciate your honesty and transparency. 
And I know we're pushing the limit on time because I know you have to go to a, another interview that you're going to be on. But I just want to thank you, Ann, for taking time out of your schedule to have a chat with me because this wasn't like from a we're experts. It's just two dudes talking <laughs> about <laughs> their experience in, in experiencing a blended family. My son is now out of the house, but my daughter is now in high school. So still pray for me on this. <laughs> but, but I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, man. Thank you, Joe. And Tom, if they wanted to reach out to you, because who knows, we may have some dads out there who still have some questions that I didn't ask. I know some of the guys are going to tell me about it in the community. How could they reach out to you and connect with you? What's the best way? You know, the easiest way is just uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm the only Tom Schwab in all of Kalamazoo. Get out of so here. I'm there. <laughs> I am. And uh, on Facebook, you can find me there. I'm the only Tom Schwab in all of Kalamazoo. Uh, so I always say my LinkedIn's more my professional profile. My Facebook, uh, you're going to see uh, pictures of the, the cutest little grandkids you ever saw. I always say that I have great grandkids, and my wife always corrects me. She's like, no, they're wonderful grandkids. They're not great grandchildren. <laughs> you are a great grandmother. You know, and I can't wait. I've been talking about becoming a grandparent ever since my son was like four. <laughs> because it's just something about grandparents. I just love the fact I can't wait to be a grandparent. You don't hear most men talk about that. I've been talking about it when I was like in my 20s of being a grandparent one day. I can't wait, man. And guys, that's the end of our show. And please do us a small favor. Just in this, but it's so important. Take about 30 seconds and go over to iTunes and rate the program for us. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands of ears and hearts of men just like you. Guys, we're number one for a reason because you put us there by sharing us with your family and your friends and other men in your life. So keep doing that. Karen is sharing. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with realmenconnect.com reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Real Men Connect is a listener-supported podcast, and we're now the number one radio podcast on iTunes for Christian men. If this podcast has blessed you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to bless and transform the lives of even more husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders, please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. Just go to realmenconnect.com and click on the donate button. And may God bless your faithful giving.